Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. Well, pretty excited today. Finally, I've been looking forward to us sitting down uh, for quite some time because I think you're supposed to have favorites when it comes to classes and lessons and people, but we're good buddies. Uh, we really are. appreciate um, Very good buddies. John Pricer as a person, um, but definitely as an educator as well, given all these cool things that through our informal conversations, I've had the opportunity to like learn about how your government class runs. And so, so I'm excited to get a chance to all, like create an avenue with which other people can see and kind of hear your story and the amazing, I think, personalization plus game-based learning things that you've got going on uh, in your classroom. And so uh, if you want to start off with just kind of a little brief introduction, I guess, as far as education you've been teaching for, how long, what subjects, and, and kind of that whole backstory piece. Yeah. We are at the school, so you might hear this stuff sometimes. <laughs> and that's fine. We're just going to roll with it. There you go. Uh, yeah, teaching for 16 years now. So this is the only school I've taught in. Uh, so it's, I've kind of learned the modular scheduling system and, and most of what I try to do is kind of bring our curriculum alive with that system that we have, which really lends itself to a lot of the personalized learning stuff, which is what you're really into. A lot of the no. gameplay stuff. <laughs> yes. You know, um, been teaching government now for, gosh, how long has it been? Eight years, I think. Eight years, nine years, maybe. And government's a half a year course. So essentially, you've gotten 15 iterations of government. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so now, now AP government is a full year, okay. and then regular government is a semester. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we've been able to kind of perfect this, you know, yeah, 15 times now probably about and such. That's so. one of the most frustrating things, I think, in education versus other professions where if you make a mistake in another profession, you can the very next day – like it should change your approach. And I think that there's still that reflective piece in education, like what I do today mm -hmm. is gonna influence what I, a little bit about subtly how I go about tomorrow. But in some instances, when you mess up a lesson, you gotta wait a whole year <laughs> before you get a chance to iron that specific yeah. thing back out. And then you forgot you messed it up until you're doing it again, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. so, okay, so in this um, you know, AP Gov, Gov class, there comes a point where you go, okay, we're gonna take a leap. And this is, this is years ago. Yeah, this was, you know, when I first started, um, you know, Diana Sherrigan was teaching government and AP government, and, and we were on the team for the first time together. And I, I remember sitting out in our IMC kind of telling you, wouldn't it be great if we could hold this, like, mock election and, and have all these different, you know, sections be different states, and they'd all have their own little elections and run for the president and parties and all this stuff. And I kind of started brainstorming all these ideas, throwing them out at her. And in about 10 minutes, she kind of had this, I think, like, whoa, that sounds really awesome. Yeah. But that's a lot of work, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was kind of a brainchild. So we kind of started implementing different things kind of very, very, you know, on, on a small scale basis, mm -hmm. you know, to where we had the first year we did it, you know, we said, well, we're just going to have these these uh, sections build different parties and have discussions and debates on, you know, the different issues and those things. So you, you say, when you say build parties, then when the students come in, they essentially have to co commit to being a Republican or a Democrat? Yes. Or is there an independent too, perhaps? Uh, well, we make them play by the two-party system. Okay. It's kind of what 
you know, we thought initially, and, and we've kind of stuck to that over the last eight sure. years. Um, and then Ms. Sherrigan only taught government with me for like a year, and then she flew the coop to go teach economics, okay. which I don't know how she does that, but that makes my brain hurt. Um, so then the people that I've had on the government team, you know, David Bywater and Amy Stutes and Jim Simons and these teachers, we've just kind of kept growing this curriculum to kind of create this this mock election, what we call it is our political campaign project. Um, and I guess if I can even go back further, before me and Ms. Sherrigan had our first initial conversations, the original idea came about at a social studies conference I was at where I attended a little workshop where somebody was talking about the different um, things that he did in their class. And they held kind of this mock election, you know, with parties and, and building platforms and all this stuff. And I thought it was kind of really cool, you know. So that's kind of where the seed was planted sure. maybe 10 years ago. Well, and that's why I want to advocate so much for putting together pieces like this and getting stories out from what goes on in the classroom. I, Simon Sinek, I love the quote that, that and I'm not going to get the full quote here, but essentially the best ideas are the honest ones that just come out as a result of just trial and error like you're talking about. Yes. So I think sharing stories like this really can be that brainchild, not necessarily to copy exactly what happened in your class or in anyone's class, yeah. uh, but to just spark that interest about what's possible. I think it's really cool. So, so okay, so um, so that's where it came from. And then mm -hmm. you guys started to like try to implement this. And you talked about like your states and sections. So how many sections of government class, just regular government, do you have? Right now. Um, so right now we have 20, well, 15 regular government sections and then okay. five AP government sections. Wait, how many do you teach? I teach uh, three AP sections and then two regular government sections. Okay. So what I, are the states then? Because right, every one of these different sections is mm -hmm. its own like state. Yeah, so how, I think one of the, the best things about this project is when we start it, each of these sections gets to be their own personal state. So we have some larger states like California, which is, I don't want to say, you know, awarded or given to like the state with the highest student population. So yeah. that's one of yeah. Mr. Simon's classes who he had, I think, 22 students in that class. We kind of filter down through like we have Texas and Mississippi, you know, Nebraska's in there, you know, so we get a little hometown, you know, feel and such. And then it goes all the way down to like Montana which is the lowest population state, which Mr. Bywater, for some reason, only had nine students in one of his AP sections. Uh, I should probably shouldn't let that get out that we only have nine students in the class. No. <laughs> That's going to happen. But, yes. But it kind of works out, you know, really well because we want that, you know, diversity of population to show the impact that small states have and big states and those things. So – that's where we kind of start. Okay, you know? that's what I was going to ask. So I'm a student. I walk in day one. Yeah. You already know that I'm in Montana, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know where this whole thing is going. And so how does this then, from the student's perspective and experience, like where does this kick kick start? Like how does this begin? So it all begins with our political parties, okay? Oh, well, yeah. That's what you yeah, said. So Democrats, Republicans. Yes. Yeah, so we, yeah, so we want to kind of teach them how, how much of a force political parties can be in you know politics and in the u.s today within each of those sections then within each of those states um we have all the students take a little quiz you know and they kind of get to decide if they want to become a member of the democratic party or republican party and we don't force any student to kind of pick a side they get to kind of pick you know how they want to be and you know we kind of struggle with that a little bit as teachers because you know we don't want to necessarily 
make our classrooms unfair, you know, but we end up having some states where 10 of the students are Democrats and only five Republicans or vice versa. And, you know, if you're doing a campaign and holding an election, those students that are on the side where there's only five. It's a long shot. It's a long shot. And they kind of look at it and say, well, there's no way we're going to win this. This The cards are stacked against us. You know, and that's kind of our first little teachable moment we kind of tell them is, you know, that's what it's like in real life. Yeah. So we try to simulate as much as we can a real life election. And here's what I'm going to say just as an aside in the midst of all this. When it comes to games and education, which is mm-hmm. a way to talk about it, uh, the, the term gamification gets thrown out a lot uh, as a blanket like coverall, mm-hmm. where I think... Honestly, the, the games in education is the, like, zoom out. Gamification deals specifically with this idea that you can kind of add game elements into your classroom. So there's this game thing going on, and the learning is going on at the same time, and you sort of use the game to get to more like content standards types of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas with, with yours, um, I, that would be under a different category, even though there's some overlap with that, where it's game-based learning, where the actual action of playing the game is the learning in and of itself. And I think ideally when you can get those across up, that, that works. And yours certainly does too, because I know about the finances behind it and a lot of the yeah. things we'll get to in the pod here. Uh, but but your value with that is the value that game-based learning brings. Um, and I do think that that as an authentic learning experience, a game as an authentic learning experience, is a type of personalized learning. So we're kind of throwing a lot of buzzwords around there. But we are, lots of buzzwords. Sorry, that's why, <laughs> that's why I, I love... I wanted to chat about this because I do yeah. think that it hits upon a lot of things that people are very interested in that are also at the forefront of like education today uh, and what people are experimenting. And, and I think there's a lot more overlap and potential there than people realize sometimes. Well, and and to kind of dovetail off that, I mean, one of the biggest things that, that I always try to strive for um, as a teacher with my students and kind of getting them in this project and this game is, I mean, they almost – they have to buy in. They have to, you know, actually – see that there's there's some benefit for them to actually do this stuff and you have that kind of competition you know element and I think that really kind of brings these students out and by letting them make all these choices and those things and kind of letting them just do whatever they want Mm -hmm. you know within the game is I think kind of the the biggest I don't don't want to say biggest but maybe the best thing about this you know so when they pick parties we let them pick. We had one section that was all Democrats this semester. Now, maybe that isn't ideal, but it's about like living in maybe North Dakota or Montana. You know, if you're, you know, a Democrat, you know, there's just not a lot of Republicans or not a lot of Democrats up there. And that's mm-hmm. like real life. And they kind of sure. start to see that, you know, and stuff. So. So then once the students uh, have committed to their parties and they recognize, hey, I'm in a about equal, equally distributed group. Uh, where does it go next? Because then the choices start to branch off from there. Yeah, right? so so once they, well, because once they build the parties, they have to actually go through and build a party platform. And and the the biggest challenge they have is keeping everybody in their party happy. And usually out of kind of that conversation, there arises kind of a party leader. And once they have that party structure put in place, that's when that party leader you know, gets elected and becomes the party chair. And then they have to try to find different candidates. They're going to run for congressional election, run for presidential elections. They have to elect a national chair. Really, out of that party building, they start to see who their strong figures are and, and 
what they can contribute to the group, so to say. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do they find that typically that that not only a leader, but there's multiple leaders whose ideals align most with the groups? Is that sort of what tends to happen? That's what tends to happen. That party chair becomes kind of one or two people. It's either the individual that could keep the conversation going and kind of keep everybody happy Mm -hmm. and kind of that cohesive leader. Moderator. Yes, exactly. Or it becomes the individual that is... I don't want to say most radical, but most kind of in tune with kind of the traditional Republican or traditional Democratic values and can express those the most. Mm-hmm. And people kind of gravitate to that person. and They kind of win them over, sure. so to say. Now, what you see happen then as, you know, within the game, I, I think I mentioned there's all different kinds of roles. You know, so we have presidential candidates. We have congressional candidates, party chairs. We have reporters and those things. So... You know, that that person that's kind of the moderator for the party chair, they usually stay the party chair. But that person that people kind of gravitate to, that they're like, oh, you should be our party chair. Well, oftentimes they kind of see a bigger calling and will want to run for president, shift in a congressional race or something, which is kind of interesting because then they almost have to find another party chair, you know, for their group. So So you have all these these moving pieces, which... Uh, to ask the very brief question and then, then to kind of move on, I guess, I know you have a packet that sort of facilitates we do, yes. a lot of these things. And so there's a lot mm-hmm. of conversations I'm sure about and handouts collaboratively, right, that they would work on to fill out what their party mm-hmm. like, is yeah. kind of about and values and where they all land on different mm-hmm. topics. And so it's, okay, so they're communicating with themselves like about that and having a real good dialogue, I'm sure. Yeah, most of, I mean, the the amount of technology that we have now I mean, it's it's amazing allowing them to communicate back and forth. Like just for instance, when they start to build their parties, they have to write a party platform. Well, you know, we used to struggle seven, eight years ago with one person having to type it all out on a computer and then making sure it got to everybody or everybody handwriting it out. You know, now they just open up, you know, a Google Doc and everybody's got the party platform right there. And they're collaborating. And they're collaborating right on that thing. And That's they're great. like, oh, why did you type that in there? You know, we didn't agree to that on abortion. We didn't agree to this on gun control. Right. And then they all have access to that. So then those congressional candidates who are selected or those presidential candidates will also get to see, you know, what their constituents wanted. So they oh, can sure. use that platform, you know, and kind of. Because they might be in other sections. Uh, yeah, those presidential yeah, candidates. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. okay, and this is maybe our turning point. I will do a very quick plug and say this is why technology is part of our personalized learning elements because yeah. I do believe in the way that you said it, uh, and we actually set up our training this way too in our, our context, is that the, our resources have changed uh, and mm-hmm. the way in which we are able to leverage technology to personalize the learning experience is unique to this point in time uh, and that you know things go on a pendulum often in education, but our contention is, is that we've sort of swung – back like away from probably you're like over testing uh to a to a different place though because of the technology that allows you to facilitate and so i'm hearing that and you're you're oh yeah we use yeah all kinds of technology and a lot of times with this you know where students are running campaigns and they're responding to each other if two students are running for president you might have one candidate that that tweets something out on their twitter account or posts something on their wiki page that they have and their opponent might see that you know, even before we see it. So they're responding and it's really taking the classroom and expanding it to all different kinds of places. Yeah. You know, so we're all walking to class and all of students say, oh, did you see what, what DeKai Roseman posted on her Twitter account? 
you know, that's ridiculous. You know, I can't believe she would go against, you know, her interest groups like that and those things. And it's amazing to me that these students are kind of so plugged in in those things. Or like some of the teachers have kind of responded that we have we have students at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon that are tweeting back and forth and posting things and, you know, having conversations like, you know, it's four o'clock on a Friday. Like, yes, you know, ever. That, that, that's where everybody pieces out. That's really funny. Um, and so I think then this is probably the point to sort of share with everyone how this all plays together, because I think part of what is awesome about Westside and unique in the way in which you're able to facilitate this is our large groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just for anyone that's not familiar, we do spend, I know with English it was about 25% of our class time, uh, in a large group setting where anyone who's in any of the sections, and so in any of the states, with any other teacher, yeah. are all in this auditorium, and you're able to then hold, uh, there would be space and time for all these, like, uh, representatives from all these different states and their respective parties to be in the same room and collaborate a little bit, right? And so how, how have you guys sort of used that time yeah. to make this all run? Well, and so one thing about the project, I mean, when you're running a national campaign, you want to be able to, you know, address everybody in the nation. You want to be have everybody be able to tune in and, and watch things, you know, just like in real life. When you watch the presidential campaign, you know, they have debates, that everybody's tuned into that can watch. Mm-hmm. They have conventions that everybody watches. And one of the biggest struggles is, okay, how are we going to get students to buy into this? So, you know, what we've done is we've dedicated some of our large group time where all those students, you know, all 300 students will come into the auditorium. And for one of those meetings, we'll hold a presidential debate for each of the primaries. So all the Democratic candidates, which uh, I think we had, I think we had 13 this year, 13 Democratic candidates, they all get up on stage so all those voters can hear them. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you were in kind of a traditional setting, you'd have to kind of figure out, you know, how am I going to get all 20 of these sections to listen to this room. debate? Yeah. You know, are you going to, are you going to, you know, broadcast it out on a podcast? Are you going to record it and then post it somewhere? And then you got to kind of struggle with, are they going to watch it? Are they going to be informed voters and those yeah. things? But this gives them the opportunity to kind of watch this. We do the same thing when we hold, uh, national conventions. So all the Democrats get to go through and we go through the roll call vote and they name their candidate and we have different congressional candidates come up and speak and then the president gives a big, or the president, their their candidate gives mm-hmm. a speech, you know, on those things. And we have a big balloon drop and the kids have hats and all this stuff and it, it gets kind of crazy a right. little bit. Um, but having that setting really kind of creates the sense that this is kind of an authentic, you know, experience mm-hmm. versus if these kids were, you know, just in a in a small group classroom, never really able to engage, you know, with each other. You know, even for the general election, we have a town hall style debate where any one of the 300 students can ask questions. That's what I was going to ask in the earlier ones. Is that something that you guys as teachers are able to mm-hmm. go up? Do you play the roles of the, the moderator and the person asking questions to sort of keep them accountable to political questions versus I could see in a high school not to like. Um, yeah, have. for we, we kind of try to control it a little bit with the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the channel might be different, I understand. Because those are just going to happen. I think it's authentic to let there be some randomness to it. But I don't know yeah. what degree you drive. Yeah, we, we have, primary. for the debates, we have pre-planned questions. Okay. We have teachers, but they're outside teachers, so none of the Gov teachers 
you know, are doing it, but we bring in other teachers to moderate the debates and those things. Uh, the town hall questions um, that we do, those are actually asked by students, but they're pre-approved. We use a cover it live, which is a live yeah. blogging uh, during our large groups where the students can go on and, and ask questions and make comments and those things during our that large group setting. And so if they want to ask a question, they'll put it in this cover live and then we'll approve it. It gives and you then, a filter. Yeah, yeah it gives me, give us a filter. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's the, the one thing that I can say when you're doing this stuff is I would say, and I was just telling my students the other day, like, Pastor, don't you ever get nervous? And I tell them, you know, I, I trust that you guys as students, you might push the envelope a little bit, but you're, you're going to eventually get the job done. Um, I mean, we had, you know, an incident in a debate where... Every time. <laughs> and it's worth bringing up, right? It is. Because if somebody else is going to take this on, you have to understand yeah. that it also comes with... And you have to get into the nuances of it all. But the, but essentially, the, the when you make a game immersive, mm -hmm. which is what you guys are doing. Yes, right? I mean, it is. Four yeah. on Friday, or, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll tell a quick aside. I had a cross-country runner when we went to state. Uh, that won the Democratic, I think, party nomination. nomination. Yeah. And we're, we're there the night before in the hotel room, and they're recording his acceptance speech. Like from the hotel, you know, we have the biggest beat of the year the next day. But no, <laughs> government class, baby. We gotta get I think thing. he even took his suit along. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I remember you guys in a suit, yeah. But when you create something that is so immersive and authentic, there are times when I'm sure there's going to be conflict between students or mm -hmm. when they're going to, to kind of push that in a way that I. I think is all, is one very real, yeah. But two is I'm I'm sure puts you in a place where you have to kind of moderate because you can't quite be as cutting or as um, like politics can get really brutal. It can, and and that's one thing like we tell our students like we want you to have an authentic experience, but at the same time we want to remember this is a school project, sure. so there are kind of boundaries, and every year. There, there always becomes kind of a situation, and I think it, it kind of speaks to how authentic the experience is, because as these students kind of pick different roles, they can do whatever they want, you know, so if you want to run for president, you can run for president, and then as president, you've got to form your staff, you know, and you can, you can find people in all different kinds of sections, which we tell them you should have a, somebody in Mr. Bywater's sections to, to monitor your activities there with yeah. his classes and those things. Maybe not in Montana. But. Maybe not Montana. <laughs> yes, Sorry, Montana. <laughs> You're um. You know, but with that, you know, so you have these presidential candidates which are building, you know, these campaign teams of four or five different people. And sometimes there can be conflict with you know, people not getting things done, you know, school mm -hmm. projects go. And one thing we kind of tell them at the beginning, you know, if you choose to work for a candidate and you don't do your work, well, we let those candidates fire their staff yeah. and then they have to go find a different job somewhere. You know, or you can resign if you don't like what that candidate's doing. So, you know, we have some conflict that comes up, and that came up in the last one where some student didn't like what some other student was doing, and and he got called out in the debate and said some words that he probably shouldn't have said, and we had some yelling and screaming in the auditorium, and, you know, it all works out, but, it, sure. you know, that happens in real politics. Yeah. yeah, and when you try to, like, put them in those situations. What I love is that... In those moments, as we've talked about those instances, or maybe ones that aren't as conflict-stricken, but are uh, that are certainly a little bit at that edge yeah. uh, that education, you know, can push. Uh, I love that you guys try to capitalize those as teachable moments, uh, and mm -hmm. I know that you've like referenced actual, like this happened in 
you know, this election or in this debate. Yeah. Or in, and the way that that stuff, I'm sure, resonates with students when they uh, are able to frame the things that you're trying to teach them. Yeah through this thing that, that they just sort of naturally came about, it's got to make it so real. It's got to make it really just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how, and I tell the other teachers this all the time, about how closely this resembles kind of real life, that you have these kind of these situations come mm-hmm. up in those things. And so... Well, and speaking of, like, trying to blend the two, right, like mm-hmm. life, like real life experiences in the, in the game, uh, I I appreciate our dialogue... Like this semester, um, because I we have from the start you had this idea mm-hmm. of making these news videos. Yes. Uh, and yeah. So once once they've gone through the whole election, we have a president, we have their cabinet right is already mm-hmm. like in yeah. place. Uh, you know, I kind of talk about what what your well, vision was because we had a chance to work on that together. It yes, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It turned out really well. So one of the things we've always struggled with is during this campaign project, these kids get this real authentic experience and and get to see you know, how real life politics and campaigns work. I mean, and they walk out of it kind of having this new understanding. And then we moved into our next unit, which was our model Congress. And we've always kind of struggled with getting the same engagement, getting the same buy-in as we do in the campaign project. You know, and I think partially it was they weren't really invested. So they were supposed to, you know, write bills as congressmen that they were representing and all this stuff. And it just and wasn't. At times, yeah, yeah, the filibuster stuff, like and it was okay, but it wasn't. It wasn't like this campaign project, and we're like, well, we're hitting an A plus here. We can't have a B here. Sure. So we came up with this idea of having the senators that win and the congressmen and congresswomen that win their elections. They're the only members in the Congress. You know, the president is the president, and then everybody else becomes these interest groups and those things. Well. We then kind of said, well, what can we do with this? And that's where one of my colleagues, Amy Stutes, came up with this idea. She says, well, why don't we have kind of real-life news events that like take place that these congressmen and the president has to address at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which was a great idea. you know. So it really put them in this situation where, oh, i got to react to this and such, much like the campaign project where they were reacting to each other. And we came up and filmed, I think it was 10 it's different great. videos yes. and those things. Yes, wrote all these scripts. Yes. We got a chance to, to sit down. And uh, yeah, and it worked out really well because we had, you know, Brandy Peterson come in, who's a communications director for us here in our district. But previously she had worked as a news anchor herself. And so mm-hmm. to ask her, invite her in, I mean, she just nailed it going through the uh, uh, the teleprompter and being able to read the news was just really authentic in the way that, that she, you know, the mm-hmm. role she played. And then our theater teacher, Jeremy Stahl, uh, as the on the, yes. on the many multiple personalities, which the students have all thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> yes, he's, he's had a number of those students, or has a number of those students. He is very charismatic and takes on a lot of different roles and accents and things, and is that kind of on the spot reporter to uh, make them well a little bit humorous at times. Yeah. I think certainly helps. But uh, so we filmed these ten uh, yeah. videos with scenarios ranging from natural disasters. Um, to terrorist attacks, to Somali pirates, yes. you know, and uh, across all of this, uh, how did that go in the implementation then? Because that was that's a new piece specifically yeah. this year. So how how did you feel it? Uh, I thought it went really really well. Um, we have, I mean, the so we would release one of these every kind of two or three days, and the the idea is 
you know, you're putting them in this kind of game situation where the president has to respond to, for instance, if North Korea launches, you know, missiles into the Pacific Sea. And, and the scenario was where they, they sank some Japanese fishing vessels. So what's the response going to be? Is she going to declare war? Is she going to, you know, hold fast? And, and, you know, are these congressmen, these senators going to demand that she do this? What's her constituents going to think? You know, what are the interest groups that we have going? So they're all supposed to kind of respond to these things. And it was kind of great to kind of see them and, and see the reactions and those things between these things. And then they had to hold press conferences. The White House did. And she had, a, you know, the press secretary had to respond to this stuff, you know, and Kind of as an offshoot, what we started to kind of see happen was some of these students, you know, to get into the mindset, they're like, well, you mean we can just kind of make up what happens next, you know, write our own narrative. And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, if you want to control the narrative, be out in front steering the narrative, you know. So the president took her maybe one or two news stories to figure out really how to respond because she kind of just kind of sat on her hands like, what do I what do I do? Okay, we have a whooping cough outbreak. All right, that's bad. You know, but what do I do? Yeah. And it wasn't after until about a week where, you know, she came to me. She says, you know, what am I supposed to What's do with this? What's my responsibility? Yeah. I said, well, I said, did you solve the problem or not? And she's like, well, should I? I was like, well, yeah, as president, you should solve that problem. So she's like, I could just make up what I went. I said, yeah, that's part of the game. I said, you respond and then see what everybody else responds to. And it becomes this kind of scaffolding type so of thing. So you mean she, she could respond with, uh, you know, we're going to allocate X number of people from these respective yes. organizations, you know, that we've, we've take taxpayer dollars to build these like yeah. adi uh, additional like temporary facilities to mm -hmm. try to, okay. Like yeah. and, kinda... yeah, and we even told her she can go as far as to say we, we've done this and we've contained, you know, the whooping cough outbreak oh, yeah. and those things and, you know, and just go with it. Just like talking away essentially. Yeah, and, and see what they could kind of do. And that kind of has evolved now kind of to where the students are. I really got to kind of stay on my game. Because we had just in this last week with the North Korea one, one of the reporters, because we also have reporters, you know, he came to me, you know, after about 24 hours and said the president hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. She hasn't released a press conference or those things. Well, she told me they had like a calculus final or something that they were studying for. <laughs> God, the president's busy with calculus and can't respond you know? to a North Korean crisis. Yeah. So he says, so can I just make up the next little chapter? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. So... You know, then the next day it was breaking news that North Korea bombed Guam. So it became this because nothing had been done. Yeah. So North Korea was unchecked, and the president was like, "What the heck, wow. Pryster?" You wow. know. <laughs> and here's uh, again, I'm a nerd out and go personalized learning on this, but we talk in our training and Brian McClaskey's work in personalized learning. There's three stages. Stage one is the teacher makes a bunch of choices, and the kiddos kind of pick and go and do amongst those choices and yeah. start to voice their opinion and you kind of get to this stage two where it's a very collaborative um, back and forth and it's responsive to the like, mm -hmm. interests and, and desires of each. But then stage three is where students really just start to like run with it in ways that, that are, I mean, you're still there guiding and supporting and as a reference for the students, but that ultimately to take that leap would, in my opinion, would be a stage three yeah. type of example. Um, we, but it, you certainly scaffold it to get there, which is yeah. really cool. Which you're going to love this one then. So, like, our last scandal that hit was our Secretary of State was caught selling nuclear technology to South Sudan. So, and in the news report... Which is not a narrative you guys came up with. 
We came up with that one. Oh, okay. Yes, so we came up with that just, one. Just for clarification. So yes, you guys came up with we that. came up with that. And then the, in the report, the president was kind of implicated that maybe she might have known some stuff about this. Well, she came to me and said, well, you leaked this to me four days ago and told me this was going to happen. But I didn't know about it. I didn't do anything, which she didn't because it's all fake. And <laughs> <laughs> but she's like in this narrative. <laughs> she's like, I didn't do this. Why am I accountable <laughs> you Yes. But then she's like, well, I'm going to push for congressional investigation of this mm-hmm. to clear my name. If I'm out in front of this, yeah. getting Congress to investigate, certainly I wouldn't be doing that if, if I was going to be implicated in it. I'd be trying to cover it up and hide it. Yeah. So she says, when can I hold a push to have a congressional investigation? And I said, well, we're taking a test on Wednesday. I don't know if we can do that because that was our large group. And she's like, well, I got to clear my name. And she got the majority leader on board. And they were both pressuring me to hold this congressional investigative hearing. So finally I had to push our test back, <laughs> which maybe that's why they wanted to do it, to push the test back. I don't oh, know. I, <laughs> I don't think it really was. I think I she just more cared about her name. Sure. But they went through, and this was actually yesterday, they held this 30-minute investigative hearing where they called up the Secretary of State and called up, uh, who else did they call up? They called up a general, which was one of the other teachers that was just on the fly. They just said, Mr. Bywater, you're going to be a general, and we're going to call you up. And and it ended up being, for some reason, one of our senators was gone that day yesterday so he got implicated because he's flying off to somewhere because he was involved in the selling of you know these things and it just kind of spiraled to where they created this whole narrative and now we have impeachment charges possibly being filed against the president on friday and we'll see how that kind of goes so well, and there's two things to, to kind of bring up here and maybe to kind of wrap up the pod here but um, number one is that because I've seen it happen probably four times, and how often mm-hmm. am I even in the social studies like yeah. realm? But where this becomes something that when you like say immersive, they're coming up to you during Ooh, open yeah. class periods mm-hmm. at lunch with scenarios that you guys, I mean, are definitely having teachable opportunities yeah. like on the fly. And I mm-hmm. love that you have figured out how to work that across all the teachers yeah. that are in the course and even in the department, uh, which is really neat. Um, but I think the last piece, maybe if I'm listening to this that I'm still a little bit curious about is, so if I'm not a candidate, if I'm not somebody, you know, on the, uh, uh, it's part of the cabinet or, you know, things of, that are more of those kind of at the forefront of the decision-making process, what are the other roles the other students take on? Um, we didn't really cover, back to the campaign, like these campaign managers and, and how uh, they go about earning money and advertising. Oh, yeah. I love all that. Yeah. So I'm going to just do a couple snippets because I know about them. Yeah. So let's, let's talk on that real briefly, I guess. So, uh, I mean, one of the biggest things in politics that you want students to learn about campaigns is the influence of money. So um, we have all of the teachers in the social studies department during the campaign project. They play PACs. You know, so I'm like the Blue Cross Blue Shield PAC. And we give each teacher, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars or so. And which you printed up a little money. Which you printed up little money with my faces on and those things. And these, <laughs> these candidates, these candidates have to go out and raise money. These parties can go out and raise additional funds. And they have to do this because they got to 
pay for things on their campaign trail. So if they want to run advertisements in our large group setting or in small groups to reach the voters, you okay, know. Okay, and to be because in that large group, you'll take time out of the instruction or the yes. debate to cut to a video that you guys have queued up, and they can show a little advertisements. Yeah, they'll have way. like little thirty-second political advertisements for their candidates yep. and those or things. I saw too that you took everything off the walls in your classroom, and they were buying yes. advertisement space. Yeah, way, they're like right? bulletin boards. Yeah, so they can pay ten thousand dollars for this bulletin board spot. You know, in our classroom, all different kinds of things. We have yard signs, probably 15, 16 different things they can buy. But they have to go out and get this money. Sure. You know, and then we also have an FEC, uh, which is basically teachers and those things, where they have to actually record and report, you know, this money and their spending. So they have to kind of, you know, the campaign manager or somebody on their staff has to keep track of this stuff. Okay. You know, and, and if, you know, if they get too much money from somebody, then it's a campaign violation. Or we had an instance where during the campaign, on election day, one of our candidates posted a, a sign right outside of the voting booth, which we have like real voting booths and everything. And, oh, yeah. You know, and they, they put it right outside the polling place where you have to be, I think it's, you know, 100 yards away from any polling place and they had it within you know two feet so they got issued a campaign violation you know those things and we had to remove yeah. their side of those and they're like what <laughs> so yeah so there's there's that role and then i also love the and you've talked about them a little bit like the reporter media role uh and so can you kind of talk about that and how the wiki page that you guys have developed facilitates a lot of uh that but then maybe it's also bled on twitter also i know so. yeah so the the whole kind of driving force behind this is behind politics really and, and government and, and in you know the AP world they refer to it as linkage institutions and one of those is the media. And that's you know, the media does a lot to link the voters or the constituents with these government officials or with these candidates or the parties. So we have developed our own little it's called the Warrior News Network, where we actually have a wiki page and we assigned probably you know, 20 to 30 different students as their job for the campaign project is reporter, to be a reporter. And they go out and actually find stuff on candidates. And it can be good. It can be a little scandalous within reason. It can be something as simple as um, that they received a $5,000 donation from Blue Cross Blue Shield. It can be something along the lines of a little bit scandalous to where so-and-so took money from... Uh, a pro-life group and then went back and lied to a pro-choice group to get money as well, which has happened. So, and those reporters are supposed to post these stories kind of throughout the campaign project and it forces these candidates to kind of respond to them. You know, they can do interviews and those things and they're really kind of a driving force behind this because they're the ones keeping everyone kind of informed mm -hmm. on the national stage about the different presidential candidates, you know, about what's going on. You know, those congressional races is a little bit different because that's contained to like your little small classroom group. Yeah. So they pretty much see what's going on there. But if you don't have a presidential candidate in your class. Yeah, to what degree are you really exposed to the conversation? Exactly. So they have this this website that they can all go to and read the news and those things. And and. You know, I'm not going to lie to myself. I don't think all students, you know, go there on a daily basis and check it. You know, it is kind of a school project. But I think at some point, all 100% of the students have at some point gone on there and looked and found a story, you know, or something. And I would say probably 50 or 60% of them probably do check it on a daily basis because they're coming up and telling me things, you know, that are posted on there and things that, you know, 
to kind of stay on top of it. So. Wow. So I just, and again, just that personalized piece of you're Republican or Democrat, are you going to be, like you said before, campaign manager? Are you going to be part mm-hmm. of the media? Are you going to be a candidate? Is that going to be for more like a representative from your state or on a national level? And, and just, gosh, you guys over the course of years and iterations and really continuing though too to have that growth mindset, right? That flexible mindset where like what we're doing now could be better uh, and mm. we'll try that out and we'll probably learn from that and we'll continue to like be very attuned to the world of politics as is <laughs> and how can we bring that facet into this has uh, really rounded this out to make it a pretty pretty authentic learning experience which we've identified but something I'm just inspired by. I just love hearing you mm. talk about it. Uh, I love seeing the way the kids respond to it and uh, you guys ought to be really just pleased like with, with kind of how that's all gone. Yeah, it's it's been very rewarding. It's... A couple of one of my colleagues, Mr. Bramley, was telling me that, you know, we were joking around about it. But he said, you need to sit down and write a book about this, about the actual elections and mm-hmm. kind of write out what happened in each one so you don't forget about it. Because they all do have just little nuances and all those things because the kids are really in charge of what happens and what takes place, which is, I think, you know, a great thing. They write the narrative right. and they kind of take it. You got to stay ahead of them. And figure out, you know, where you're going to use this in the classroom. But they're the ones kind of steering the ship. So Those stages again, right? Like, yeah. There you go. That's great. So um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. your story, for what you do for our kiddos. And uh, we're really excited to share this podcast with other people. And so there will be a link to some of the documents and things. You know, mm-hmm. Hopefully we can kind of share some of those resources out as well. Um, but, yeah, keep me posted as uh, things continue to develop. All sure, that. I will. Really fun. Really fun. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. Man. Yep. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.